Welcome to the Ed Milet Show. This podcast is for those who want to do more, see more, and be more. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I'm Ed Milet. Today's show is going to be ballistic. So I am uh, I'm sitting next to the real-life Dos Equis man. Um, one of the most interesting people I have ever met in my life. This man has a resume that is too long to even start the introduction with today. And we're going to talk about that today, like life resumes. But to start, put it mildly, this is someone who started the company Marquee Jet. He ends up selling that to Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway. Started a water company that he sold to Coca-Cola. He's run 100 miles in one day before. He's a father of four. He's married to one of the most successful female entrepreneurs in the country, and Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. And most importantly for me, he is one of the most giving and generous people with his time, his information, and his energy that I have ever met in my life. And I, I'm literally, look at this, I'm getting goosebumps because I've been really <laughs> looking forward to today. So everybody, this is Jesse Itzler. Jesse, thanks, thanks for being man. here. Oh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Have we had good conversations off camera? Or what? Yes. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I wish we were recording the whole time. So, you know, the thing I didn't say too is I also think you're one of the greatest speakers in the world too from the stage as well. So any of you looking for speakers, this is a guy that you ought to be talking to. So you're gonna get a flavor for that today. So let's help, let's help some people. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we can go all the way back to the beginning. I want people to know a little bit about your background because I think one of the things that fascinates me the most about you is your willingness to do things that you're not prepared for. I think like going into the unknown, it seems to be one of these things that about you that's very unique, but also is a trait that I see in people that win at really high levels. So. Talk a little bit about, we could start with any of the businesses you've had, but did your upbringing at all like prep you into being this sort of type of person you are? Like when you grew up, did you know you were gonna turn out this way or, or no, not at all? Uh, I always was dancing to my own drum. My parents mm. gave me a really long leash, which was a great gift for me growing up. They mm. let me do whatever I wanted to do uh, within reason. Yeah. And I always, you know, all of us, we always come against this wall of fear. You know, mm -hmm. this crazy wall of fear. Mm -hmm. And you can either go to the wall and turn around, or you can go through the fucking wall. Yes. And I was, I always, every time I went around, turned around and went back home because I was too scared, I had crazy resentment mm -hmm. or crazy guilt that I wasn't able to do it. Regret, yeah. not mm -hmm. resentment. Yeah. Regret. Yeah. And every time I went through the wall and got to the other side, it was so addicting. Mm -hmm. And I was so proud of myself. Mm -hmm. So, let uh, I, I me mean, just give you a quick example. When yeah. I was growing up, I grew up in New York City yeah. uh, or in Long Island in the 80s when breakdancing and rap and all this stuff was happening. Yep. And I was really into breakdancing. I don't know. I don't look like it, Ed, <laughs> but you know, get some cardboard out here. Man. We, we need could to do, do that. something. Mike, get some cardboard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I decided that like, I could make more money probably if I went to Washington, D.C., you mm -hmm. know, because the kids in Washington, D.C. couldn't be as good as the kids in New York. We invented this whole genre. Okay. So I got my friend Myron, who's my partner. My sister just got her driver's license, and I convinced her to drive us to Washington, D.C. And the whole drive down, I was having all that self-doubt. Yeah. You know, at a young age, 14, 15 years old, like, okay. what if the kids are better? What if no one shows up? What if we get booed? What if, you know, what if we go there and I stink? Yeah. And so I was almost talking myself out. I was building the wall of doubt up brick by brick in my yeah. own head. Yeah. And when we got there, we went to a little bank in uh, Georgetown and we mm -hmm. set up a boom box in a parking lot of a bank and we hit play 
and my friend started spinning on his head and he passed it to me and the crowd gathered around. And ultimately, after I did my thing, more people came. I took my hat and I passed it around and we made about $200. I paid my sister for the gas money. And then <laughs> awesome. Myron and I split $82, $41 each. Awesome. And this guy, you know, he's counting up the money yeah. and he's counting up the money and he, he gets all the money and then he sprints over to me and he gives me a bear hug and he goes, Jess, we're fucking rich. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what, the reason why we were rich is because on that particular trip, despite all the fear, this young little kid that was so scared, I went around that wall mm. and I realized I could be rewarded. Mm. And I was like, I want more of that. Mm. I was doing, writing sports songs after the Nick song yeah. with my partner. We set up a company to write theme songs for professional sports teams. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that for a year and a half and we sold that company to a public company called SFX. You did. And it was the gentleman that owned SFX that had a timeshare on a jet that invited us as guests and that's how we got exposed to the world of private aviation. So you're flying on this jet, was it the first fly private jet you'd been on? Oh yeah. So you're on a private jet and you take this flight, and rather than just enjoying the flight, you get off the flight and go, what? what, what? No, first I walked on the plane and yeah. it was like the scene in The Wizard of Oz when everything goes from black and white to color. And I was like, <laughs> people fly like this? Mm -hmm. I'll, we wanna fly like this. <laughs> and we literally were like, let's start a private jet company so we can fly privately, because we definitely can't afford it. That's crazy. And, and we were but like, did you know anything about jets? Did you own a jet? Did no. you Nothing. So you knew nothing about jets. You didn't own a jet. You'd never but I knew that if we wanted to take two or three trips a year to go skiing with our friends or take a college, our college friends on a trip or mm. my partner had a family and he wanted to go away for Thanksgiving, if we knew that if we had a need for not for hundreds of hours, mm -hmm. but for maybe 25 hours, there's got to be a lot of people like us. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the idea started from. It's like, how can we make flying privately a little bit more affordable, yep. more to the masses, mm -hmm. and how can we solve the problem? Like, how can we eliminate all the, the, the pain points of owning your own private plane? Like, you know, the pilots, the scheduling, the maintenance, all that, yeah. and provide all the benefits. Yep. And that's what we created this 25-hour jet card called, which ultimately was called Marquee Jet. Okay, so let's talk about this. So here comes the note-taking time, all you entrepreneurs out there, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that have these ideas. So that's great that you had the idea, and brilliant, but idea to execution, to business, to profitability, to selling it is a completely different idea altogether. How in the world do you get, you end up somehow getting net jets to allow you to use their jets somehow to do this card, right? How the hell did that happen? Well, first of all, you know, we thought about what's the fastest way to get from point A to point B. Okay. Okay, that was the starting point. Okay. And we realized that we needed airplanes, obviously. You can't have a private jet company without airplanes. Yeah. And for us, there were only a couple of, there was only two games in town, or one game in town. It was NetJets, owned by Warren Buffett. You know, they had 650 planes in the fleet. Okay. So we were able to get a meeting, you know, through a couple of phone calls. And, and in the meeting, we got thrown out of the first meeting in like 12 minutes. They're like, the guy, the CEO was like, there's no way we're giving two kids access to our airplane. You got thrown out of the first We got game. thrown out. He literally said, they literally said, there's no way we're giving two kids. He said, that probably didn't break a thousand on their SAT, which we talked about, which pissed me off. I got a 980. You got a 980. Just so you know, in the history of interviews. <laughs> so he's, 
<laughs> he's nine. This is so wonderful. So you end up being on the same label as Young MC. I end up being a uh, paid for free backup dancer for a few weeks for him. The people are laughing their asses off. I know right now, rolling their eyes. He gets a 980 on his SATs. I'm in the high sevens. I'm a 780 SAT. And we've both ended up becoming, you know, very successful entrepreneurs. This should give everybody out there hope who thinks their prior resume somehow dictates their future resume. And that's not the case whatsoever. And right. so you get kicked out. He literally quotes your SAT score yeah, back I mean, to like, you. I'm not, I'm not giving you guys 20, 28, 29 years old access to my airplanes. Right. And, you know, our starting point is we have to convince them. We have to have a lot of conviction, we're the business plan. They're betting on us. Yes. And the question we asked ourselves, I think, you know, the starting point for any entrepreneur when you're going to give a pitch, what's in it for them? Mm -hmm. What's in it? What are we gonna Great say lesson. to convince them that yep. they wanna do business with us? Mm. And for us, it was like, we can, they were catering to a much older demo. And mm. we were 28, 29 year, years old. In mm. my music business, I had access to athletes and entertainers just from the videos and just mm -hmm. being in the scene. I lived in New York. Okay. I was connected to that world. Okay. There was, that was my demo and age group. Okay. So we offered the ability to attract much younger athletes, entertainers that we said, look, if these guys are introduced to your fleet, they're gonna be customers for the next 50 years. And mm -hmm. think about the lifetime value of that customer. Mm -hmm. Give us a shot. If it doesn't work, there's not, like no harm, no foul. And they said, you know what? We'll give you guys a shot. And so we, the second meeting, they say, we'll give you a shot. Put up your own money. Okay. You guys, we'll give you guys a shot. Okay, and now, this is one of my favorite stories of all time, literally of all time. So now you get a yes, which is just incredible. The idea to get in there to pitch, to get kicked out, to come back in, to get a yes. Now the issue is, though, you have no clients. So right. that theory sounded great. By the way, a lot of people, entrepreneurs listen to this. They got kicked out, they got rejected the first time, they've got an idea, now they're in business, but they got no clients. And by the way, we really didn't have a business plan because we didn't know anything about the space. Mm. And to present a business plan, they could have been like, well, we're not looking for that. Mm. We were the business plan. Yeah. It was like, we're gonna make this, look me in the eye, and I'm mm. telling you, we will make this happen. Mm. We Give us a shot. I mean, that, those weren't the exact words, but that was the spirit of it. Let's stay on that for a second. Because I think this is huge, man. People buy into people. They buy into stories right. and people. They yes. don't buy into PowerPoints. Mm. You know, PowerPoints are just words. Mm. And we had a passion and a conviction around the idea because we knew we could make it work. We knew if we had the chance that no matter what, we were going to work 21-hour days, we we're going to make it work. You and I are both involved in a business together that we'll talk about at the end. And that's exactly what we both did in this case. We bought into the people. It's like so super true. But you have this thing that I think... I think to the extent that someone has this thing I'm going to ask you about before we get into how you end up getting your first client, which is the best story of all time, but, but I think all successful people on some level, and to the extent you are successful is the extent you have this thing, which is that you're willing to step into spaces you are ill-prepared for. So it seems to me like you're willing to, you kind of think like, if I get my foot in the door, then I'll figure this stuff out, right? Yes. Whereas what most people do, and this is killing you, by the way, I won't step into the door until I'm completely prepared, which is a total fallacy anyways as an entrepreneur, right. for sure, or wanting to become a rapper or have a music career or an artist or anything great. If you're waiting for a threshold of, I need to be totally prepared, then I'll step in the door, you will be on the other side of that door the rest of your life. So talk about that. You have this sort of thing about you, you'll figure it out once you get in there. 
Yeah. I, well, first of all, nothing happens if you don't get into the door. So you have to yep. have, you have to figure out how to get in the door. Right. And I've always trusted the process that I'd be able to figure it out. But like the common thread throughout all, my journey as an entrepreneur in everything is I had no prior experience in anything that I did. And for me, that was the greatest blessing. Mm. Because for me, it meant rip up the playbook. No one taught me how to do it. So the whole industry was operating the same way. And I always say to my employees, Sarah, my wife does the same thing. You know, if no one taught you how to do your job, how would you do it? Like mm. if you ripped up the playbook and you said like, how would I treat my customer? Mm. How would I go after and pitch this? That's where innovation comes from. That's where innovation comes from. Mm. Everybody else in the space, they were doing the same playbook. Mm. All the brochures looked the same and we didn't know anything. We didn't know anything. Mm. So for us, it was a greatest blessing. So I think experience is overrated. It's important, but it yeah. takes so damn long. Yes. You know, and like if I if we would have waited to get three years on on the front on the line, and this there would have been four other jet companies, and we would have never have done it. Mm. So um, wow, that's so true. I you got to start the process mm. as an entrepreneur. I think like the number one thing is start. You never have it all figured out. Yes. It's never the right time. Mm. You never have enough experience. Yeah. But if you let that slow you down until you have it's the right time and the right experience. Mm. Come on, man. The world's like the world's so fast. So you're telling me you did not know a lot about the rap game before you got in it. You didn't know a lot about the the writing lyrics game before that. You didn't right. know a lot. Just listen to this, everybody. You didn't know a lot about the coconut water business before you got in it, the jet business before you got in it, or the NBA before you got in it. Do I would you, say nothing. Literally, I wouldn't nothing. say not a lot. I would say nothing. It's incredible. I, yeah. I, I absolutely and look, love that. you know, I was fortunate. You know, mm. I we were able to as soon as we were able to afford to bring in people that yes. knew more, we were able to scale it. Yep. And, you know, but we started everything very small. Mm. You know, we always thought really big. Mm -hmm. And once we got momentum, we were able to ramp it up super fast. The only way that I could really find, you know, I, I had to go where wealthy people were. And yep. I heard about this conference called TED in Monterey, California, when they were first starting out, that was attracting all these tech guys and well-off folks, et cetera. So my partner's like, you gotta go to the TED conference in Monterey, California. So I, had, I think I connected through Chicago into LA. It's a five hour car ride to Monterey, California. It was a yeah. 16 hour journey. And I get there and as soon as I get there, everybody, it's like Fort Knox. I didn't have a credential to get in. No way. So they didn't, you couldn't go anywhere near the conference. <laughs> so I'm like, man, I just flew 16 hours. I can't go in, I'm so frustrated. But it smelled like there was a sale there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, let me go into the little coffee shop over here and try to like figure this out. And I'm sitting in the coffee shop and about 20 minutes into my sitting there kind of like thinking, God, how am I going to do this? A wave of people with credentials come in and they're ordering lattes and muffins. Okay. And I realized that they must be on coffee break from in between speakers at the tech conference. So they're all ordering lattes and muffins, lattes and latte and muffins. So the next morning I show up at five o'clock, first one there, as soon as they open and I buy every single muffin. I control all the muffin inventory <laughs> in Monterey, California. I bought every muffin. And when the first wave of folks come in, you know, yeah. they're like, come up, or have a latte and a muffin. Like, you can have a latte, but we're all out of muffins. <laughs> and as they would walk out, I would say, excuse me, I overheard, I actually, I have the muffin, we, my office here, we have all the muffins, and <laughs> would you like a muffin? <laughs> no, 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 yeah. What do you do? Next thing you know, I'm in a conversation with someone, he's like, and he asked me what I did. And I said, well, I have a private jet company called Marquee Jet. And uh, a guy who just sold his company called Half.com to eBay. Okay. And he said, well, I'm actually interested in a private jet. Awesome. Would you mind if I ha have a, sit down and talk to you about it? Mm. And I was like, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, please sit down. <laughs> you can have two muffins. <laughs> and we started talking. And here's what's interesting. 
and here's how I built my career. He ended up being my, my first customer. Unbelievable. And, but he was the key because I serviced the hell out of him. Mm -hmm. Anything he wanted, carried his bags. If he was going to Mexico, shock and awe. Here's a book of places, here's a reservation, here's where you can snorkel. Like, that's not the business I'm in. Yes. I provide time on jets, no. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody else was doing. This is what we're gonna do. Here, you, I see your family's going. Mm. Here's a, th a floaty thing for your two-year-old. And mm. they would get that. And I just serviced them. How was the trip? Can I help you? Here are your bags. And he was my source of referrals. There you go. And then the next guy came in. Same system. Mm. Same thing. Same thing. Mm. Same thing. And what was interesting about Marquee Jet. Wow. You know, it wasn't that we built this amazing company. You know, we, it was an amazingly successful venture. Clearly. And... Um, but that's, that wasn't the gold for me. The gold for me were the people that we flew. Because we flew, we flew 4,000 of the who's who of entrepreneurs, CEOs, athletes, entertainers, and I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. Here I am, I'm 30 years old. I was obsessed with meeting these people and learning about their daily routines. So what I would do is, I would say like, every conversation was like, what time do you get up? What do you eat? How do you spend your time? How do you live rich? How do you do this? What's a vacation look like? like yeah. And I would take all these habits yeah. from these winners at the highest level yeah. and start to incorporate them in my life. And the things that worked, stuck. Mm. And the things that didn't, I got rid of them. Mm. And over time, built this system. You mentioned in the beginning, like your yeah. life resume. Yeah. Built this system that works for me. And as I've evolved, now I have four kids, yeah. my system evolves because I can't have the same system as single Jesse, 40 years old and no kids, where I have, I can, I have the freedom to do what I want. Yeah. Now I have way more responsibilities you know, with mm -hmm. my family, so the system evolves. Mm -hmm. So that, that was the gift. Wow. Well, this is, see, for me, for someone listening to this, and I already know what they're thinking, this is literally like an inside peek to like an absolute master class of how to do these things right here, everybody. And I just want to illustrate two points you made and I want to make sure that I say them correctly. The first thing is, is that all of the most successful entrepreneurs I know, and obviously you're at the top of that list because there's been multiple wins. What I, well, the reason I want you all listening to what Jesse covers and his social media and his content is because he's, he's not only is he a mega successful entrepreneur and also successful as a father, successful as an athlete of sorts, successful as an author, He's also had multiple wins. In other words, it wasn't a one-hit business wonder. This is a formula that has worked for him that he's replicated into many different business ventures. And you said something brilliant. The unique thing for the ones I see is they create an experience for their customers that is completely different than everybody else. I don't care if you're a personal trainer at a gym, you're, you own a dry cleaners or you own a matter. jet brand. It's the experience, because if they don't enjoy the experience, it's not mind-blowing, they're not gonna refer you to anybody and your business can't go viral. It can't right. multiply, correct? I always ask myself this one question. Would I recommend myself as fill in the blank? Mm. Would I recommend myself as a dad? Would I recommend myself as a business partner? Would I recommend myself as a coach? Would I recommend myself as a boss? And if the answer is no, wow. why? Like why, why aren't I, rec why wouldn't I recommend myself? Mm. And I always tell people like, you know, like the people call up like my kids are going for their first job. What would be the one piece of advice? Make yourself irreplaceable. Mm. Make yourself irreplaceable. If you have that relationship with the customer, with if you're so important, you're incredibly valuable. Wow, that's brilliant. And, and, but, it's, but it's true. Yeah. And you know, I ask myself a lot of questions. I ask myself a lot of questions. And that's one thing I always ask myself. Like, you know, if I go, let's say I go sideways with someone for some reason, yeah. I'm 
just, I don't very often. Right. But if I do, would I recommend myself? What did I do? Yeah. And very often, you know, it's, I could, I can, I'm okay with it. And mm -hmm. if it's something that I did, then I want to get in front of it and apologize yeah. or address it internally yep. so it doesn't happen again. Yep. You mentioned something about success. Mm -hmm. And you know, everybody has mul there are multiple definitions of success. Mm -hmm. If you ask 100 people, you might get 100 answers. Yeah. But you touched on something I think is important to the listeners. And my, to me, I have a lot of different definitions. Success isn't being good in one bucket. It's not about like, I made all this money. You know, and I know, oh, it's easy for you to say. No, success is not about being good in one bucket. It's about being good in all the buckets. Yeah. Yeah. All the buckets. Mm -hmm. It's about being a good dad. It's about being you know, good to your employees. It's about giving back in the charity bucket. It's about doing the right thing when you do it. It's about standing up for something that you see is wrong. Mm -hmm. That's success. When I see people that are mega wealthy, they're just fucking wealthy. Yes. No, they're just wealthy. Yeah. That's not what it looks like. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and you don't have to be wealthy. If you're struggling in one area, you can still be good in all the other areas. So true, man. You can't spiral down because success, the way you look at it, isn't happening. Mm. Well, then go be successful in the other buckets mm. and fill up your plate. And then what it does too, by the way, like I could feel you coming at me with that because you feel so strong about it. Your physiology changed too. But what also happens is when you, and you talk a lot about this, but when you get wins in other areas, you get life momentum. Oh. And, and, and people just, I did a training on this the other day, but like you're, to me, I look at you, I go, okay, look, you, the thing he said about associating with these people and their habits, I didn't have a jet card company, but I joined a club where I could meet these kinds of guys. What is your schedule? What's your workout routine? How do you eat? What do you it's think that, about? How habit, do you talk? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, habits, you get me all fired up. Yes. Everything comes around your day. Yeah. You're talking, we're talking about all these yep. successes. They yep. took years. Yes. It, years. Yes. I remember walking into the president of Coca-Cola about the Zico thing. He's like, it takes eight years to build a brand in this country. Of course, there's get yeah. rich quick things sure. and now it's a little faster, but it takes time. But what the foundation of that is your daily habits. Yeah. It's creating winning habits, winning routines, and a winning mindset. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the formula. It is. It, it, there's no way around it. It, it is. doesn't happen without that. One of the unique things for me, because I completely agree, but one of the things that unique about you and I is we both will be creating this content for a while and then when we looked at each other's stuff, we're like, my God, we so believe the same things. We say it a little bit differently, but we so believe the same things. One of the unbelievable things about social media or podcasts like this is that you kind of can peek into what you had at Marquee Jets doing this. If someone follows yeah. you on Instagram or follows myself, you get access nowadays to something you and I never had. You can get access daily to some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world or fitness people or parents or people of faith or whatever your area is through digital connection now. It's not the same as live, but, but it's incredible the information you can tap into now. You are my virtual mentor. No, you are. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in tune to what you say. It Thank resonates you. deeply with me. Thank you. You're in it for the right reasons. Like, there's a lot of reasons why the things you say really have stickiness with me. You. But you are, you're, to millions of people, you're a virtual mentor. And that's exactly your point. Yeah. And we didn't have that growing up. No. We didn't. Our mentor was my, like my dad and anyone in my small town. Yeah, me too. That, don't, you think, don't you think part of your life, Jesse, that you got some life momentum going, though, right? I mean, these, the journey is, I think it's the most, I mean, you're a young man and I, but I, I think it's I think it's the most remarkable journey that I've of anybody I've talked to because of the breadth of different areas. It's just bananas to me. So let's even move out of one for me. Let's go let's go to another thing because I just would love the formula because you talked about the formula. So 
you have these wins in business, which we'll talk about more of them in a minute. But then you like go, uh, like I'm gonna go run like ultra marathons. This guy's run a hundred miles in a day. There's some stat like thirty-six thousand miles you've run in twenty-five years. Is that right? Yeah. What? What? Like, do you hear that? It's sir? just consistency, though. I know it's, the number's big, and I, I'm proud of it. But it's it's because you know what, Ed? It's it's just part of my lifestyle. So again, we talk about daily habits. Yes. It's I have a very very unique lifestyle that's worked for me. Yeah. I only eat fruit until noon. I've been doing that for 27 years unwaveringly. Mm. Happy to talk about that. I run every Why? day. Because it, it's all about energy. Okay. And you use more energy to digest food than everything else you'll do in your life combined. Mm. You'll eat about 70 tons of food okay. in your lifetime. And it, to digest all that food takes a lot of energy. So if you could streamline your digestion mm -hmm. and use less energy for digestion, mm -hmm. you'd have more energy to have a vibrant life, to deal with infection, disease. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I have boundless energy. I mean, knock you, on wood. You have boundless energy. And by the way, here's how real this is. When he showed up at my house today, he's like, someone's dropping off food, right? Like yeah. he's that meticulous about what he's gonna put into his body. I also enjoy on your social, by the way, the tips she gives on Instagram about the different things that are in some of the foods we eat that harm us so badly too. Think about this. I'm, just, I'm gonna tell yeah. you why it's so important to me. Okay. Let's say you're a billionaire, Yeah. okay? You have a billion dollars. You got the helicopters, the farm, mm -hmm. Laguna, you got all yeah. this stuff. You own sports teams and everything. And you're on a beautiful island in Hawaii with nine Victoria's Secret models feeding you grapes, Ed, and mm. massaging your feet, and life is good. Except, you got a sore throat. And every time you swallow, it kills. Mm. The house, the planes, the masseuses, the grapes, none of that matters. Mm. All you want to do is get rid of your sore throat. Yeah. That's how important health is. So true. And there's a famous quote, if you have health, you have hope. If you have hope, you have everything. So wow. nothing means anything mm. if you don't. So I take it very, 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 very seriously. I, I don't do. play games with that. Mm. So I don't think you play games. Well, actually, it's funny. I think you actually life has sort of been this game to you that you're winning. But like you, you. I just got to understand something, man. Like you do things now, and I just think you, you kind of take them for granted. Like it's same for me. Like if someone repeats back to me some accomplishment I've had or something I've done, it, it just I don't even know how I feel about it. It's I'll, weird. Right? I'll tell you how I feel about yeah. it. I don't care about it. I mean, okay. I, we have an audience, they yeah. want to know the story, and I'm happy to share it yep. if there's value. But the way I look at my life, I'm 50. I'm about to be 51. You yep. talk about this all the time. Yep. The average American lives to be 78. Yep. So that means I have 27 summers left if I'm average. All the past stuff, that's done, man. Mm. My life is this window, yep. 51 to 80. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. And I want to do this much shit yep. in this much amount of time. Mm. So I have to be mega efficient. I have to focus on the things that I want to do with the people I want to do them with. Yep. And I got to eliminate the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So like the past, when people talk about it, it's like, okay, but the, it's, who cares? Yep. Do you care that the Dallas Mavericks won the championship a couple of years I ago? Could care, I could care no, less. This is the window. Yep. We're, this is now, everybody, we're about to go into what I think will be the best 25 or 30 minutes in the history of any podcast you've ever listened to. This is why you're here. Let's do right it. Right now. And so, because this is where... I think you're literally my brother in life, like uh, because we're both unusually obsessed with this. Couple things I want to point out to everybody: things Jesse has said. My best friends and the people I know that are most successful are the most self-aware. You pointed that out earlier. Just aware. Um, they're in a bigger hurry, and they have a sense of they want to bend and manipulate time. 
but time matters to them. And so if you're a 20-year-old listening to this, we're going to save you so much in your life for a minute because you're going to talk to two guys now that are about 50 years old, okay? And for those of you that are in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, this is about to change your life because you and I both, I think this is what defines me in my life right now, and that is my perception of time. And actually, to some extent, my thoughts about death and, and not being here anymore, too. So talk a little bit about how time impacts you. You said something earlier about, I've got 27 of these left. How often do you think about this, and why, is it, why does that matter? What's it do at for you? Every, I think about it every single day. And I look at it in, in a very, in you know, people talk about relationships in terms of all these different things and mm -hmm. friends and relationship with your kids and people, but they don't really focus on their relationship with time and money, yeah. but time specifically. And I'm just super aware of it. I'm mm -hmm. really aware of, you know, I just climbed Mount Washington in, um, <laughs> and I got to the summit and there were no 70 year olds up there. Mm -hmm. You know, I went wakeboarding. There were no 70 year olds out there. And the stuff that I like to do, that window is, is, is shrinking. Yes. And you know, my parents are getting older. All these things are happening around me. Mm -hmm. You've heard me mention this before. Like, my parents live in Florida. Yeah. Anyone that has parents that are elderly, mm -hmm. it, you know, if you see them a couple of times a year mm -hmm. and they're going to live another five years, you don't have five years with them. You have five times the two visits you see a year. You have ten visits with them. Gosh. Once you start to look at time that way, those visits become insanely valuable. Oh, my gosh. So, like, when I'm with my mom and dad... Oh my God, like the TVs are off, you know, I am where my feet are and I'm focused on it. And you know, when I'm with you, I'm with you. Like this, yeah. is, a, this is a great moment. I'm, I want to be here, here. Yeah. And I, it's very difficult to be where your feet are. Oh my but that's something that I really try to do. I try to be super present. Me too. And so let's dive deeper. So see, I'm this big believer, brother. I, the way you just said that, 10 more visits. <clears throat> Yeah, like my, where do your parents? Do my you? dad, my dad, my parents are older too. My dad's got cancer, and I do. The gift of his cancer, ironically, was exactly that. I don't know how many more visits I get with him. I hope I have three thousand more. Right. But I probably don't. And so, what happens, everybody is, like, man, you did that affected me right there. So, everybody, scarcity creates value. And so that's why a diamond is more valuable than a piece of paper. The more scarce something is, the more valuable it becomes in life. The more you begin to allow yourself through the prism of seeing time as scarce. I don't care if you're 20 years old or 25. Listen to two dudes here. I think the reason we've both done so much young in our life is that oddly we've always been this way. We didn't just we're pro, we're more pronounced that way at 50. But we were both a little bit that way at 20. We were both a little bit that way at 25. It's not that I didn't, I thought I could live forever, but I had this sense of wanting to do things faster, of live my life faster. And so I want you to talk a little bit about, just for you, do you, do you have this sense, like, I have this weird thing, man. Like, I'll wake up some Mondays and I'll go, how many more Mondays do I get? Oh, yeah. Do you ever do that? I do with my kids. My, ki my son's 17. I'm kind of like, I only have so many more days with I him. I do. So, you know, the, the challenge is so many of us, myself included, we live in routine. Mm. And when you're in routine, the clock goes fast. I make sure that I create a certain amount of experiences. It's something I call Kevin's Rule every year. So Kevin is a police officer that I'm friends with and from Suffolk County. Um, Probably doesn't make an amazing living, but mm -hmm. one of the happiest guys that I know. Mm -hmm. And I went to Mount Washington with, I took my son and his daughter. Uh, we slept out in the snow in this blizzard, like in these minus 40 sleeping bags, all huddled up, looking at, 
at the snow coming down, we're outside. I'm like, this is an amazing moment. I said, Kevin, how often do you do this? We're here with our kids, how often do you do this? He goes, well, every other month I take a trip that I wouldn't have done on a weekend that instead of watching a football game, I'll go fishing, I'll go to a museum, Mm. I'll do something. And I said, wow, like if I can't take one day every eight weeks, once every two months to create an experience, Brilliant. then I'm out of whack. And if I do do that for the next 30 years, I will create 150 moments that I wouldn't have had. That's the power of doing things cumulatively. Wow. I just, one of the advantages of having money Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, you get to treat your friends and you get to treat people and that's the greatest gift and and, and all that stuff. But you also meet some amazing people. True. It's the people you meet. And I was in a meeting talking about something with an advisor and he said to me a really powerful question. He said, if you could leave one of two things to your kids, all this money or a wealth of experiences, what would you rather leave? And I'm like, of course I want to leave the experiences. 100%. And so that's defined mm. this chapter of my life. You talked about mm. build your life resume. Boy, that's brilliant. We focus on so much of our attention on the traditional resume. Yep. But we neglect these experiences. And the more you experience, the more you have to offer. Gosh. The more, right? I mean, the more empathy you have, mm-hmm. the more uh, you can offer to your kids, yes. the more you can offer to your team, your employees. Yep. Yep. And so... I have really made it in, in, in uh, and, and you have to work on this shit. As you, you get older, creating newness is hard. You got it. Yep. There's no newness unless you yep. create it. You're yep. in routine. Yep, you have to intentionally do it. You have to it. intentionally yep. do it. So yep. like, I'm aware of that. You're talking about time, man. Time is running out. We're insignificant. Yes. There's seven billion people, yes. man. We're nothing. Yes. So. I'm very aware of that, and I don't want to go through life being the 80% version of me. me I don't want to look back and be like 77 and be like, I always wish I, you know, we talked about yeah. going away maybe, yeah. you know, with yeah. what. I don't want to look back and like, I didn't do that. Yeah, me too. So I'm just in action mode. I'm almost operating like I'm manic yeah. because there's so much I want to do, and I love life so much. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm lazy. Yep. It's not the right time. I don't have enough experience, and it has nothing to do with money. You got it. That's what I want them to not hear. Not Washington. It costs eighteen dollars. Exactly. To park. So I want everyone to hear that. So this weekend I put a post out. It's amazing. I put a post out this weekend. I said, hey, go do something new this weekend. Go to a new park. See a new beach. Go to a new coffee shop. Like just do something new. Have a new drink. Eat a new meal. Right. Meet a new human. That's right. also where creativity comes from. That's where it all comes from. And, you know. What you just said earlier, man, I, I just, like, I get so fired up being around extraordinary people who get it because you said something earlier that was brilliant. You're like, I have this huge life. There's not, you don't have balance. What you are is present where you are. Like, there's no way someone with all of this stuff in our lives, we can be perfectly balanced, nor can you. But these experiences don't require you to have money. And I, and I recognize how hard it is for people to break the norm. Yes. But normal is completely broken. Look at normal. Ooh. Everybody's, the majority of this country doesn't have savings. Mm-hmm. The majority, what, the divorce rate is 50, 40, 50%. Mm. Obesity is like a third of something. Mm. I don't even know the stats, but they're overwhelming. One out of three people have cancer and all all this stuff. Let me share this story with you real quick, Ed. You remember Rick Barry who played in the NBA? Of course. So Rick Barry. The the granny free throw. Yeah, Rick Barry shot 90% from the free throw line, Mm. okay? One year in 1978 in the season, he only missed 10 foul shots the whole season. Crazy. The league average is like 77%. I think LeBron is below 80 career. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan maybe was 82. This guy was 90, yeah. okay? 
and he shot every single one of those free throws underhand. He didn't care what anyone said. Yes. He didn't care if they laughed at him. Yes. He just kept fucking ringing up the yes. points. <laughs> underhand, boom, boom, I'm yes. good. Like, didn't even hit the rim. Yes. Since he played in the league, there's been about 2,700 people drafted. How many of those people have tried to shoot the ball underhand? None, zero. Because the people don't wanna do shit that looks funny or weird, it's, and it's broken. Yes. The way you live is you rip it up, and you don't give a shit. And you're like, I, like I, I'm so aware of my mortality. I hope everybody loves this. But if they don't, it's not, what am I gonna worry about it? <laughs> right, right. I'm gonna go continue to do what I wanna do to get the most out of this precious time. So good. Man. You know? So talk about that because that's the other cool thing about being aware of mortality, because you speak about this better than anyone I've ever heard in my life. Like a hundred years from now, none of these people you embarrass yourself in. Talk about that a little bit, because this will give you, everyone right now, you're so consumed with what people are going to think. And just so you know, they may actually think it in the moment, but, but long term, they're not going to remember anything you did. Tell them about that. I love this. No, I mean, I mean, and look, I have my fears too. I want to be sure. liked. I don't want people, you know. But, so do but I. I mean, but yeah, I mean, one of the tricks that I do is Me like too. I walk around when, I, when I'm super scared or mm -hmm. I, I'm against that wall of fear that mm -hmm. I control mm -hmm. and it's stacked up. And I'm like, I'll say to myself, Jesse, nobody on this planet, I'll look around, is even going to be here in 100 years. Right. No one's living to 160. Right. So what do I care? And no one in China or Russia, they're not gonna know that I, the speech wasn't great right. or th this interview wasn't successful. Right. And that, that helps me. Me too. Stephen Hawkins, one of the greatest mm -hmm. minds of mm -hmm. our time, mm -hmm. predicted that just the way humanity is going, environment, nuclear weapons, mm -hmm. all these factors, that in 500 years there would be no life on, mm -hmm. on Earth. Mm -hmm. Then right before he died, we're talking about one of the greatest minds ever, he changed that prediction to 100 years. Let's just say for a second he's right. Mm -hmm. Let's just say mm -hmm. there's a lot of crazy people out mm -hmm. there, the yeah. environment, mm -hmm. disease, mm -hmm. the, you know, Ebola, whatever. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that was the case, because mm -hmm. we don't know. Mm -hmm. If you knew that that was gonna happen, yeah. you're telling me you wouldn't take a chance or take the trip yeah. or visit your parents or do whatever or go through the wall? Of course yeah. you would. Yeah. And that's how I look at it. Yeah. I look at it like, you know, and you know, there's three kinds of regrets. There's the regret, regrets that you can change. I broke up with my girlfriend in high school. I wish I had her back. I can't change that. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. I'm just saying, right? right? There's, there's, that's one kind of regret. The other kind of regret is regrets that you can fix. I have a relationship with my dad. It went sideways. Mm -hmm. I can pick up the phone yeah. and be like, dad, I'm sorry, and fix that. And now there's no more regret. And then there's regrets that you can prevent, mm. okay? And those are the regrets like, you always want to run a marathon. I'll do it next year. I'll do it next year. Mm. And you can prevent it because if it doesn't happen, you could have prevented it. Mm. So I look at those things too. I'm like, am I going to regret this in the future? Yes. I don't want future regrets. And I want to fix the regrets that I have. Mm. So let me get in front of it. Mm. And these are all kind of strategies that I use that help me get over. It just you blows know. my mind how much I... I, I I want everyone, I'm, I'm just mind blown because guys, like no one talks about this. What we're talking about right now, you can go watch 3,000 podcasts, a million different speeches. No one talks about this because it's like a really vulnerable, almost odd thing to admit that we both think this way. But I just want to acknowledge something that you just said. Like, I think about that all the time. I'm obsessed with that. I, I, I'm so grateful for meeting you because I know I'm not crazy.
Because <laughs> No, because I think sometimes to comfort myself from fears, I'll think, no one's going to be here in 100 years. And you know what? The Earth could be by an asteroid tomorrow, for all I know. Right. right? Like, there's all these random events in life that I'm, I'm holding on to something that doesn't even exist. And what, it, I just think it's so important. Like, the one thing that always gets me back to, like, ground zero is I get one shot at this life. Yeah. I get one shot at it. Mm. I want to love I want to like give, I want to be loved, yeah. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to do good things, mm-hmm. you know, and I have, of course, everybody goes off the wagon and this and that, but sure. I'm very aware of like, this is it. Mm-hmm. I remember I was saying to my wife, um, this race that I want to run called Badwater, and she was saying to me like, it's a, it's a 135 mile run in Death Valley, it's super, it's like the hardest foot race. And she's like, you know, why do you want to do that? It's going to mess up your hips. And then when you're 70, 75, you're going to have, you can't do anything. And I'm like, I'm not playing for 75. I'm playing for right now. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and. Are you going to do it? Absolutely. Yeah. Because if I don't, it's a regret that I know I'll have. See, I, I live my whole life. You haven't heard me talk about this probably, but like everyone, I want you to Fast hear. Fast forward to 75. 75 year old Jesse is like, and then I'm going to resent my wife. I'm going right. to be like, you didn't let me do the race. It's right. I do that crazy regret future thing with death. So I have this image where I go to heaven and the Lord goes, hey, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Whatever someone's religious beliefs are. But then I have this picture where he goes, and you've heard me say this. And I run this picture constantly, man. It, like, it's my, one of my greatest shrinkers of time. He says, hey, I'm gonna, let me introduce you to the man you were born to be. This is the destiny version. This is the ultimate version of you. This is the maxed out version of you. I want you to meet him. These are the experiences, the love, the memories, the moments, the contributions, the people, all the things that you could have done. This is what you were capable of. Meet him. To me, heaven, as I meet him, we're identical twins. Hell, as I meet him, and we're complete total strangers, right? And, and that's what that is, is it's future projecting the regret. What you just said. So, not to put you on the spot, yes. but I'm, I'm just going to put you on the spot yeah. for a second. So, like, our, our existence, humans, is, it's mm-hmm. like a novel. We mm-hmm. have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yes. We reflect on the beginning, right? So, like, yep. tell stories about our childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. oh, yeah, you remember that? Marquee right. Jet. We're reflecting. Yep. The middle is, like, where we live now. That's where all of our worry is. Mm-hmm. That's where we spend all of our time. We think we're never going to get out of this rut. Mm-hmm. We're stuck here. You know, and that's where we are. And then the end, we often ignore. And let me just put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm sure most people listening have not picked out their graveyard plot yet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You probably haven't. No, I have not. Right. So then you're not really taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Have you? Yes. You have. Yeah, I, I've addressed it. I've mm-hmm. addressed the end of my life mm-hmm. as part of my life optimization system, which we can talk about. Yes. But like, that's an important piece. Like. My wife has to know where my passcodes are. Everyone thing has to be in order. I want to know how I, because like, it's going to happen. It could happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You're not really dealing with it if you're ignoring it, Ed. Like you're saying, I'm okay. i you said that to me. No, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like, this shit is real, man. Yes. You never know when it's going to happen. Yeah. If you're really serious about it, you have a plot. You have a plan. Your wife knows everything. Everything is taken care of. That's responsible. And that, when you do it, then you really say, like, this shit is real. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. real. Yeah, that's and it a, creates urgency. Yeah, that's another level for me. So I talk about it all the time. I and I'm not about knocking it. you. I know you know. No, 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 no. You know I, listen. I'm just saying, like, do you know how much I love that you say that to me? I, I love when someone pushes me to the next level, nudge me, like, hey, brother, if you're really serious, you do this. 
That's what we do when we coach our best friends. Like, hey, if you're really serious about selling your deal, if you're really serious about running this thing, here's what you'd be doing. So by End the way- End of life is something we ignore. Yeah, the next time we talk, I will have had that done. <laughs> by the way, that'll be done within a matter of probably days. Like that's just, I'm gonna take immediate action on that. Well, I'll tell you how yeah. this, this whole thing surfaced, yeah. if you have a second. Yes. I was driving with my son in the car and this is like one of those moments, I hope I don't get emotional, but I'm driving yeah. with him, and my son, he's in the back, I'm in the minivan, I'm looking at him in the window, and he says, Dad, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, sure. He's like, um, what's a curse word? I'm like, oh, a curse word is a, is a bad word. Those are words we don't use in the house, and we keep driving, he goes, can I ask you another question, Dad? I'm like, sure, he goes, is shithead a curse word? <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm like, well, <laughs> That's awesome. is it even a curse word? I don't even I don't know, know anymore. Know. So we keep driving and I'm like, yes. And I'm like, who called you a shithead? And he goes, my friends have been saying I'm a shithead, all this stuff. So we're driving and he goes, can I ask you another question? And I go, sure. He goes, when I die, this is a seven year old kid at the time. When I die, what if I can't find you in heaven? And that really hit me because, you know, like the image of me not being here, yeah. then my son waiting to come up mm. and try to find me and then worrying mm. that I'm not here. Mm. And that really jump-started me thinking about how much I want to live, yeah. how important what I eat is, mm. how important my relationships are, how important my time is, how important my kids are to me, and how, how real this window that we're talking about is. Wow. I have a three bucket system and it will be too much to do in this particular, mm -hmm. but let me give you to a 30,000 feet. Okay. I have, and anyone can do this. I have in a list, a list of electives. When you go to college, you have mandatory courses. Most of them you hate, mm -hmm. calculus, whatever. I don't want to take that. Yeah. Enough, whatever that, I want to learn how to make money. Right. But then you have electives, mm -hmm. the things you want to do. So I make a list and I love that. Mm -hmm. So I made a list of all the things I want to do in the year. I want to run a marathon, I'm doing a documentary, I'm writing a book, family trips, all the stuff that I want to do, okay? Mm -hmm. They go into an elective chart. Then I have a list, we'll come back to it, of, of what I call my sunshine. Electives, sunshines. My sunshines are my daily habits. That is, um, and I try to introduce one new habit a month. Mm. That could be, last month it was drink 100 ounces of water. This month is, is introducing a meditation practice because at the end of the year, if you have 12 new winning habits, that's a hell of a year. Wow, totally true. That's a hell of a year. Yeah, yeah. Most of us think back to like last two years, like what have you added that's new? Even myself, nothing. Yeah, if you're lucky, it's zero to one. Right, so, right. And, and when I tell people that, they're like, well, I could do, I'm gonna do three things. I'm gonna read the newspaper every day, I'm gonna meditate, I'm gonna drink water. I'm like, start with one. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. introduce the next one. Mm -hmm. So my daily habits, I have a list of them. And that could be like, I wanna play with my kids for an hour, I wanna to read to my kids, I wanna drink mm -hmm. more water. And every night before I go to bed, I look at my list of sunshine and say, how do I wanna put sunshine in my life the next day? I know it sounds corny, but that's what I do. And I'm like, okay, hour with my kids, and I make sure everything is scheduled the night before. Mm. It's like, we can't afford to wing it anymore. Yeah. So every CEO, top CEOs have three assistants, and they wake up and they come in the morning and their assistant hands them a schedule, says nine to 9.15 here, 9.15 to 9.30 here. We don't have three assistants. Yeah. Most of us don't have three assistants, yeah. Yeah. but we can't wing it. The night before, you have to have the day laid out. So I sprinkle in my sunshines into the day. And then underneath that, electives, sunshine. My electives go on a, on a year calendar. Mm. So I schedule them. The marathons, but my year, it's already scheduled. It's done. I know the races I'm running, the trips I'm taking, it's all in there. All the stuff I want to do. Yeah. 
is written in because I'm not going to waste away the thing. I'm not going to go through a year and not do the shit that I want to do. Then my life, then my life plan, my system would be out of whack. But underneath the sunshines and the electives is this big ocean. And that's all the stuff that takes away from the things I like to do. I have to get my oil changed in my car twice a year. I have to go to the doctor and get my colonoscopy at 50 and <laughs> go get my dentist shit and all that stuff. I have weddings. All that is, is the ocean. That stuff takes away from this stuff. Mm. So if you are fortunate enough to have someone that can help you with this, yes. which I have assistance, mm -hmm then you can do it. But if not, then you can assign it and delegate some of the stuff. But if not, this big ocean, which I went 48 years of my life doing myself, mm -hmm. what I do is I get it all on paper. Mm -hmm. so, I can, so it's out of my head to free up energy. Mm. And what that does is it gives me a snapshot of basically I have 15 things. I don't want to belabor the point, yeah, but everything awesome. from pets to cars to wow. this. And it's all an, an end of life. It's all laid out. Wow. And I have this amazingly efficient system. I could walk everyone through it, in, in, but I don't have the time to do it now. But I'm just saying I take it super seriously because you can't wing it. Yep. And they can find more of the detail because I know a little about the program and I'm like, I want to... I didn't mean to get off track with it, but I think no, it's important to talk about... No, not at all. Like, like, I want them to hear this because I think people think, well, I have habits and routines or I have a plan. Do you really? Because this is what one really looks like. This is what a high-level thinker does. This is what a high-level achiever does. So guys, there's something that you guys should go get, which is called Living with the Monks. Again, I know your list is going, are you serious? The same dude also lived with monks? <laughs> yep, he's also lived with monks. So that's why we're going a little bit longer today, guys, because I'm just not going to cheat you out of this. So <laughs> what the hell made you decide to go live with some monks, and what is a takeaway from that experience? Yes, yeah, so I was just realized I had invested so much in my physical side, run all these marathons and ultra marathons, trainers, this and okay. that, but I really neglected the spiritual side. I invested nothing okay. in that side. And I felt like to be the best version of me, I really needed that. And again, speed up the process. I could listen to a bunch of podcasts, which are amazing, yeah. but I don't learn, everyone yeah. learns differently. Yeah. I learn through experiences. Sure. So part of my whole like, kind of like build my life resume, collect these moments, and yep. I was like, who are the masters? Mm. And I was like, monks. I gotta go live with monks and figure this thing out. So I did, I went for 15 days. I lived with eight monks that had been on a monastery for almost 50 years. And no phone, no anything, total isolation from my parent, from my family, you know, everybody. And I uh, had a room about, which they call a cell, about nine, ten, 10 feet by eight feet. And I lived there for 15 days. It was, it was unbelievable. Were you a meditator prior to that? No. I took what? A, I, took a, so I took a crash course in transcendental meditation. After you decided to go live with monks? Yeah, like a couple, like right Again, so that's another thing. You're like, you're in the door. Now I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. I probably should learn to meditate before I get there. Yes. Dude, you're crazy. I love it. I yeah. love it. I love it. So... <laughs> Did you just hear that, you guys? He decides to live with monks. He's never meditated before. Yeah. I, by the way, I thought all monks were like were Buddhist. I lived with Russian Orthodox monks. They were. I mean, it was just, it was, the whole thing was. I had no idea what I was getting myself into or doing. What was your and, primary takeaway from it? By the way, you should read the book, everybody. But you know, it's so interesting. When I left, people asked me how I felt. And this is going to surprise you in my answer. And I had, there's a lot of takeaways. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, just this one popped into my head. But when I got in the car to go back to the airport, and I lost all this weight, I'd shaved my head, um, the driver said, how do you feel? And I thought he was going to say, relax. thought I would say, relax, yeah. you know, quiet. The answer was proud. I was really proud of myself 
for sticking it out. And we talked earlier before we came on about small wins and momentum. I realized that like it's really important to me to make myself proud to create what I call an edge. You you know, like these moments that you stick things, because I wanted to leave day three, I was like, um, I gotta get out of here. I'm done. The clock was going, it was like tick, tock. Every hour was seven days. And I'm like, this is fucking bananas. You know, like I'm like this, I'm in my room. I can't even concentrate. I'm going crazy. I don't know, like my, I've, I had all these thoughts that like my wife probably hates me. She's probably mad, my kids might come. I, I was going crazy. And I have this saying, this saying that really, these two words that really changed my life and that's remember tomorrow. Remember how your decision today is gonna make you feel tomorrow. And I said to myself, if I leave, which I could do, How's that gonna make me feel tomorrow? A quitter, mm-hmm. I didn't finish my journey, I didn't get to the end of the movie, which I've been talking about, yeah. that I live by, mm-hmm. you know? So wow. that, that, those two Powerful. words which popped into my head, Powerful. you know, have been something that whenever I have a split second decision, I'm like, how's that decision gonna make me feel tomorrow? Wow. You know? Wow. So you don't wanna go for a run today? That's fine, but mm-hmm. how am I gonna feel about that later tomorrow? Yeah. You want to drop out of the marathon? How's that going to make me feel tomorrow? You don't want to go visit because all your friends are at happy hour. You don't want to go make the extra calls or go visit the property or go talk to the investor because everyone else is at. How's that going to make you feel tomorrow when someone else gets the property? So that, those two words have really like, they're tattooed on my brain. Man. And I think about it a lot. Dude, I'm loving this so much. I'm getting so much from this. It's a really good tool. Yeah, it is. You project into the future a lot, even if you just do it a day. I love how you do that because you're going to be there the next day. And so asking yourself how you'd feel that day, I'm, I'm stealing that from you. I, yeah, the, that's so the, darn there's good. There's no man. stealing. It's so good. There's no secrets. Yeah. Like, you know, again, I'm here for 30, you think I care? Yeah. I'm here for 30 years. I, I want everyone to, yeah. to yeah. get the most out of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why we're recording it, right? So, yeah. okay, so last question about another person then a couple to finish so then what's it like living with a seal so that's another one of his books you guys living with a seal and so take them through a little bit just really quickly everybody knows well not everybody knows that's not true many of you probably know who david goggins is and david's a stud but one of the reasons you know who david goggins is is because you learned a lot from him and he learned a lot from you but you ended up you knew david goggins before the rest of the world knew david goggins and, and talk about how he ended up in you, living with you, literally, and then what was a couple takeaways from being in his presence? Because that's a lot different than living with a monk. Yeah, I, I think you know we hear this whole thing about being around like-minded people, yeah. but you learn from being like around people that, that aren't like you yes. and that have mastered. Yeah. He's mastered a lot of things, the yeah. mind and all this stuff. I saw him at a race I was running. I saw a drive that I've never seen. He had mm. broken most of the bones in his feet because he weighed so much running this ultra marathon yet continued to run to get to his goal. Mm. And I was like, if I could teach that drive to my kids, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I was like, you know, like anything in my life, if I find someone interesting mm. or different or unusual or the best, yeah. I want to get him into my life. So I just really reached out to him, <laughs> created this kind of friendship. And I said, you know what? I'm not getting the secret sauce over lunch meetings and stuff. Would you come live with me? And he came and he lived with our family for, for 30 days. And, um, early, you know, before, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess a lot, of, I mean, people in the ultra world knew about him, but yeah. yeah. What did you learn? He's just a fascinating guy. I mean, I learned that I'm capable of a lot more than I thought I could. I have an extra gear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a wimp. 
mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I had so much respect for mm-hmm. him, for what he's done for our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, again, like he shadowed me. We went everywhere together yeah. for a month. So I picked up so much. But I think yeah. the biggest lesson, you know, being around, around Goggins was just that I, I was capable of more. Even though I yep. thought I was operating at a really high level, yeah. I still had more in me. Yep. And I think that's what the people around you, the best people around you do, is they stretch your capacity. Yeah. They see something in you that you don't see. And there's a, see, the lesson for me from it is, and for everybody, because you said it earlier about podcast versus experience, it's like you, you built this muscle now where you're like, look, proximity is influence. Proximity is, right? So it's great that, by the way, it's wonderful you access social media. It's wonderful you get podcasts because that's proximity to a guy like you they would never otherwise get right. 25 years ago. But then there's another layer of proximity, which is maybe you attend a live meeting with somebody. Right. There's another one where they become a mentor. There's another one when they become your friend. And then there's another one when they live with you, literally. So what you do is you pull the, and everybody listening to this, you pull the influence closer to you, its impact on you is greater, right? And I think that's the lesson for me that's why I want to pull you closer to me. It's like I want you closer to me because the influence, this is more influential for me than what we did on the phone, than our first meeting. And the next time we're together will be greater because of the proximity. So yeah. that's the lesson for me. Guys, think about everything we've covered today. Breakdancing, rapping, coconut <laughs> water, owner of the Atlanta Hawks, married to the lady, Sarah Blakely, who founded Spanx, right? Like uh, sells marquee jets, runs ultra marathons, climbs, climbs these peaks in his life, lives with monks, but has a seal move into his house. It's just a banana story. One of the greatest speakers on earth. It's just, it's a crazy story. All that in there, I got a question for you. No yeah. one's asked you. What are you afraid of? Oh, just everything's around my kids, pretty mm. much. That's my biggest fear. You mean just, something with your children? Yeah. I mean, you know, What's interesting is when you have kids, the energy, at least for me, mm-hmm. the energy of around worry yeah. is very draining. So yep. even though we're here, yep. uh, my kids are in Atlanta, I'm thinking about them. Mm-hmm. What are they, you know, uh, today, anything yep. happened? It's just, this mm-hmm. is the way I'm wired. Me too. So I think that's a fear. And then the other fear is just like not living up to my potential. Mm-hmm. It's just super scary to me. I don't want to be 70 and look back mm-hmm. and be like, I didn't do this, I didn't do this because I was scared because of the wall or whatever the reason, that freaks me out. Does it? Yeah. Yes. What would you... There's no redos. There's no redos, man. you got one redo. I heard you say your kids are four, then at some point they stop growing, right? Four to five, there's big change. And like like the clock now for us as a percentage of time that we have left on earth versus when we're born, it picks so much faster. So true. So it's just created more urgency. It's so true. It's so weird how I am. I got to tell you, it's like I'll watch a... My own time is interesting. I'm so bizarre. Like, I'll watch a college football game still. Here's how weird I am. I'll watch the game. I'll see these kids playing out there. In my mind, this is so, my wife thinks I'm nuts. I'm like six, seven years older than these guys still. There's a part of me that's still me delusional. Too. Do you do that? Oh, like, yeah. I know they're younger than me. But well, you're reverse aging, so. Yeah, I know, <laughs> no, I'm not. Catch I'm not. Up. But like, I'm like, I'm only like six, seven years old. Then I go speak to the team, and I see their faces, and I'm talking, I'm like, my God, that was, it, I was that age that long ago it just went by in a flicker and that's what happens everybody is it's just a flicker of time like you have to max this time out so i knew today was going to be crazy but we, i want to do one last thing because i i just think you're incredible thank you and and the way you articulate things man like it's so clear and so easy to understand but i think there'd be there's a lot of people here who would pay a lot of money to switch seats with me even if it were for two minutes and if they didn't have any money they'd give anything <laughs> to get a couple minutes with you 
And so I'm curious, if someone could have that seat, they switched with me and they said, hey, listen, I'm not where I want to be in my life right now, whether that's spiritually, relationships, financially, business, you know, I'm just, I'm not where I need to be. And I've heard you. Time's running out on me. I've heard you. I've only got so many Mondays left, so many Decembers left, so many summers left. I, I got it. And it's got me really worked up. It's got me wanting to really change my life. Well, then we won. Because most of it is, that's the start of the whole process. Is like, mm. I think the, the, this could be a good way to wrap this up. Mm. You have to want it, right? Mm. Like people ask me like, what's the silver bullet? Mm. You can go through all these strategies and techniques at the end of the day. I think people want, want, we all want the same thing. We want to feel good, right? Like that's the one thing we all have in common. We want to feel good. All yeah. this stuff, money, work, yeah. accolade. It's just all about what you eat. It's all about how you feel. We all want to feel good. No one mm. here doesn't want to feel good. But going back to your question, I think you really nailed it. I remember, and this, if I can just share a one minute story, and I don't, I was with my sister and one of her friends at a dinner table and they asked like what, what it is, like what's the silver bullet? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm not really that talented. You know, mm. I'm never the smartest in the room, that's for sure. But I always really wanted it. I really wanted it. And they're mm. like, the guy's like, oh, well, I really wanted the raise. I really wanted to make a million dollars last year. I really wanted the promotion and I didn't get it. And I'm like, well, you don't understand it. And they were like laughing and mimicking me. A year later, we're at the dinner table with my sister. She just put out a coffee table book where she had to go get these quotes and pictures from celebrity around success or whatever and get all these amazing quotes from people that she didn't know. And I'm like, Jill, she's showing me the book. How did you do it? She's like, I don't know, I had no experience. I had no idea what I was doing. I made all these mistakes. I would call the publicist, they'd hang up, I'd call them back, and then finally I got a couple. I had small wins and momentum. Mm. And then from that I got more, and I used that as my story. People buy into stories, mm. and I would get more and more. And then I figured out, then I had time to publish it, and I called all the publishers, and this and this, and then, and then all of a sudden then I got it all together, and then I got a PR person, I put it out, and I go, I don't know, through all, I just really wanted it. And I'm like, you see? That's what I'm talking about, that those clowns didn't, didn't understand. You wanted it. When they said no, you kept going because you wanted it. Mm. If you really want to change, mm. you will change. If my wife said to me, let's go get better, let's go see a therapist, mm. okay? And I didn't really want to go, I'm going because of her, it's mm. not gonna work. Mm. If I want to go to the therapist, because genuinely I want our relationship, because why the hell would I want to live in chaos? to get better, it's gonna get better. Mm. So my advice would be like, if you really want it, you will figure it out. Yes. But if you're just telling yourself you want it, yeah. because like you think you do, yeah. it's not gonna happen. A hundred percent, and it all comes back to the very beginning, Jesse. It's getting your foot in the door and then figuring it out. If you want it, you will get your freaking foot in the door and then you will figure it out. I completely... And it might totally take time. Yeah. I never knew Mark, he was gonna jet, jet was gonna happen when I was a kiddie pool attendant or when I was break dancing, mm. or when I got trapped from the rap label. Mm. But I knew I wanted what I wanted. Yeah. Up at, you know, mm -hmm. the script, plot change, whoop, got dropped mm. from the label, whoop, got mm. kicked out of here, plot change, mm. got kicked out of the jet company. Mm. But this didn't change. I love that, this doesn't change, the no. plot changes. 
This has been an unflipping believable conversation. By the way, one other business we're both involved with. We should at yeah. least oh, point yeah, this definitely. out. Definitely. So Jesse and I are both involved with Outstanding Foods. We're both investors in that company. Rob Deerdick, Caesar Milan, a bunch of other people. You guys should go to Outstanding Foods and check out Pig Out Chips and order some of these. They're yummy and they they're are. healthy for you too. So we're both involved in that business and we would be crazy not to take this time to promote yeah, it. Yeah, so There it. we go. So we're everybody, business together. We are, we're, we are. We're business partners. We didn't even know it initially, but we are now. So everybody check that out. Listen, today was unreal. I got a favor to ask of you. Sure. First off, everybody follows you where? At Jesse Itzler on Instagram. Uh, at Jesse Itzler on Instagram. It's some of the best content you're going to see in your life and he's doing more and more and more of it too. And it's somebody who, like you guys, you can tell today, you've watched me do a lot of interviews. You know when I know when I'm in love with someone <laughs> and what they produce and that's Jesse. And I just really want to thank you. I want to ask a favor of you. Would you, If I had one guest win a drawing, would you do a 15-minute call with one of them? Oh. I'll do anything. Okay. Absolutely. I love you. Thank yeah, you so much for today, man. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. Thanks but for having I, me. I loved it. And so everyone, remember this, okay? Every day on social media, on Instagram, I do the max out two-minute drill, which means if you make a comment within the first two minutes, we pick a winner every single day from everyone who makes a comment the first two minutes, and that winner receives all kinds of cool stuff. Coaching call with me, coaching call with Jesse, my other guest, max out gear, signed autographed copy of my book, really cool stuff. So make sure you're engaging in the max out universe on social media. And if you miss the first two minutes, here's what's cool. All you have to do is make a comment every day on my post when I post daily at any time if you miss the first two minutes. End of the week, we look at all the people who comment every day and we pick a winner from there as well so you can qualify. And remember to share this. This is the number one show in the world for a reason. Fastest growing show and number one at this point because of the caliber of the people that I collaborate with there. It's because you guys have been so great at sharing this program with people you believe in that you care about. So please do that right now. Today was unreal, brother. Thank you. Heavy note taking. I know you're all super inspired. God bless you and Max out. This is the Ed Milet Show. This podcast is for those who want to do more, see more, and be more.